The scripture reading for the verse will be Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Would you bow with me? Our Father and God in heaven, we're so thankful for this day you've given us and another opportunity we come together in this period of worship. We're so thankful that we live in a country, we live in this community where we can have the freedoms that we have to come together like this to worship. Father, we pray that our service today, our songs and our prayers and our studies were in accordance our will and be acceptable to you. And all the good that we do, Father, we give the glory to you. Father, we thank you for your grace and love. We thank you for the life you've given us here. With this life, we have illness. With this life, we have uh, uh, bereaved, people who are bereaved, uh, breathing, uh, remembering the ones who have passed, Father. We pray that we realize that our position as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can give the comfort that we can to those people. But, Father, it's at your will. We pray that you give them the blessing that all you can give. Father, we're so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we are here. We thank, we believe that he is your son and he is our Lord and Savior. Father, we believe in the life he lived and the example he set, and we celebrate the, his death because of what it means for us. Father, we believe in the resurrection, a resurrection that was witnessed by many to prove who he said he was. Father, we pray all these things in his holy name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Number 781, 781, wonderful story of love. We'll sing the first and third. Wonderful story of love, tell it to me again. Wonderful story of love, wake the immortal strain. Angels with rapture announce it. Shepherds with wonder receive it. Sinner, oh, won't you believe it? Wonderful story of love. Wonderful, 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 wonderful story of love. Wonderful story of love, Jesus provides a rest. Wonderful story of love, for all the pure and blessed. Rest in those mansions above us, with those who've gone on before us. Singing the rapturous chorus, wonderful story of love. Wonderful, 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 wonderful story of love. If you'd like to mark your songbook, number 714, 714, Trust and Obey. That'll be the song of invitation after the lesson. The song before the lesson will be number 523, 523, Our God, He is Alive. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4, 
And after we sing the chorus, after the fourth verse, we'll repeat it, uh, but we'll go a little bit slower on the repeat of the last chorus. All right, if you would, please stand while we sing. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive survive from dust our God, created man. He is our God, the great I am. There was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard. He is the God that we should know, who speaks from his inspired word. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive from dust our God, created man, he is our God, the sin my sad man free and evermore with him could live there is a God he is alive in him we live and we survive and we survive from dust our God created man he is our God the church family. Glad that we can be here together. Glad that we have so many visitors with us. I know it's a traveling weekend, so we have a lot of our members who have uh, traveled somewhere else today, but we're glad that you have traveled into town uh, to visit with friends or family or just to visit the wonderful town of Cookville. I'm sure maybe there are some people like that, but we're glad you're here. No matter why you're here, brothers and sisters, uh, church family, J.A., uh, love you. I'm glad to see you. Glad that we can, like I said, be here 
together. This is the beginning, uh, the first Sunday of our family month. Uh, in September, where uh, on all of our uh, family month, every Sunday of this month, we'll uh, focus on families. And yes, a lot of it will be about moms and dads and children and brothers and sisters and parents and that sort of thing. But I hope that you'll recognize and realize that in the midst of all of that, everything that we will talk about that deals with your family at home really applies to the church family. Uh, We have leaders here, just like we have leaders in the home. We have people who are mentors and uh, mentees, just like parents are trying to raise up their children. So a lot of the things, a lot of the points that we'll make about the the nuclear family, if you want to call it that, or your family and your home, will also apply to things here. One important announcement I wanted to make sure that everybody realizes is next Sunday we're having an extra special day. Uh, We're having what we're calling Legacy Sunday. Uh, Recently, I guess in the last few years, I came across the information that in America we celebrate the second Sunday in September as Grandparents Day. I didn't know that for a long time, and I don't know if that's a new thing or not, Uh, but next Sunday is Grandparents Day. So as a part of that, we are having what we're going to call Legacy Sunday, where grandkids, we're inviting you or encouraging you to invite your grandparents to come and worship with us. Grandparents, please invite your grandkids to come and worship with us. It's not too late. Uh, There's still time for you to do that, make a phone call. We do have some postcards out in the foyer that you can grab and send those or hand them to your your grands, whichever ones they are. Uh, But we hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, Again, our worship uh, assembly, our worship times will be slightly different next week. So we just want to make sure you're aware of that. Uh, Still 9 o'clock Bible class. Uh, but 7th grade and up, so our teenagers and up, uh, will all be in here. So there'll be no other adult Bible classes. The teenagers will be in here with us, and we're going to talk about uh, family and that sort of thing. So please be prepared for that. Uh, and then we'll have our worship service at 10 o'clock. And then between, uh, or right after that worship, we'll have a meal over in the gym which we need you to sign up for, because like uh, Don said, if you don't sign up, there may not be food for you. So the, the sign-up sheets are right out here, this, this doorway here, uh, or there's also on our uh, daily update, there's a link there, and on Facebook, there's a QR code that you can scan. So all kinds of ways to sign up. The point is, sign up, please. Uh, and then there's also some areas for people to sign up to bring some of the meal, the meal that we have prepared. Uh, so if you can sign up for that, that is also right out here, right out this doorway. And then following that, so probably about... 1, 1 at the latest, we're going to have our second service. So we will not have a 6 p.m. service next week. We'll have a second service right after our meal. We'll gather in our small auditorium. We'll have a time of singing. And uh, one of our elders, one of our shepherds, uh, Doug, is going to present a lesson uh, where he's simply a- answering this question, what does family mean to me? And uh, we're looking forward to hearing Doug. I've never heard Doug speak before. Uh, like, I mean, he speaks a lot, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to having Doug uh, speak to us and, and share some wisdom uh, from his time and what family means to him. Today we're answering the question, how will my family make it to heaven? You know, I'm going somewhere today. Today I'm going to heaven. I'm not there yet, but that's where I'm going. How about you? How about your children? How about your parents? How about your grandkids? I'm not there yet, but today I'm going to heaven. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where we'll be the entire lesson this morning, so I hope that you will turn there uh, with me as we think about this. Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles on the back of the pew in front of you. They're the black books there. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is on page 151. So if you want to turn there, either in that book or your own copy of the Word, uh, that would be great. We're going to think about this question. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe, answers this question for us. This is, of course, God talking to the the Jews in the Old Testament. Uh, The Jews in the Old Testament were his covenant people or a people that he made these agreements with. And in Deuteronomy 6, he's going to make some agreements with them. Now, we're not Jews and we don't follow the Old Testament as our law today, but we are still God's covenant people. So for that reason, I think that the things that God is telling the Jews in Deuteronomy 6 also apply to us today, or at the very least, the wisdom that God gives the Jews thousands of years ago in Deuteronomy 6 is still wise today, and we would be wise if we would follow it. How is our family going to make it to heaven? Let's notice in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 5, the outcome and the motivation. The outcome and the motivation. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. Okay, so let's stop there for just a second and let me set the stage a little bit more. Uh, We know a guy named Moses, okay? Uh, Moses was the, the man who led the Israelites out of Egypt, if you're unfamiliar with that. He was a leader of God's people. Uh, and he led them out of Egypt. They wandered around the wilderness for a little while, and they got what we think of as the Old Testament law, okay? In Deuteronomy, it is the second giving of the law. Well, why do we need a second giving of the law? Well, it has exactly to do with what we're thinking about. How is my family going to make it to heaven? Moses, at this point in his life, he knows he's about to die. So before he dies, he wants to tell the people that he has led out of Egypt, the people that he loves and that he cares about, that he has put up with and that he has been a blessing to, he wants to tell them one more time, hey, you need to know what God wants you to do. So I'm going to say it all again. And maybe give some clarification, maybe give some different points. But before he dies, before he leaves the earth, he wants to tell his people, here is how you get to heaven. And so far he's told us, hey, here's what God wants you to do. I want to tell you these things, okay? And he goes on to say that the commandments that I'm supposed to teach you, that you might do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, so that you and your sons and your grandsons, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then verses 4 and 5, that we've already sang and was already read to us. Hear, O Israel, hear, people of God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Here we have the outcome and the motivation. How is our family going to make it to heaven? How is your family going to make it to heaven? How is the Jefferson Avenue family going to make it to heaven? First of all, we're going to hear the word of God, and we're going to do the word of God, and that's important, certainly. But did you notice the motivation? The motivation is you shall love the Lord your God with everything you've got. That's the only reason in reality that long-term you or I or we will follow God is because... We love him. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But did you notice what it said? It says, so that you and your children and your grandchildren will honor the Lord by keeping his commandments and be blessed because you love the Lord. Let me put it another way. I want you to hear this. God tells us here. God tells 
grandparents, he tells you. Parents, he tells you. Children, he tells you. People who are married, people who are single, he tells us if we want to have a generations-long legacy of God-pleasing faith, this is how you do it. If you want to have a generations-long, not just you, not just your children, but your grandchildren and their children and their children and their children. If you want to have a generations-long legacy of God-pleasing faithfulness, you will do so because of your love for God. That's where it all begins. That is the motivation. So here's the question. How do we develop that? How do we have that love for God? How do we recognize and appreciate what he is? And how do we understand what he has told us to do? Let's look, first of all, at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And the simple answer is, first of all, have the word of God ever before you. Look at verses 6 through 9. These words Moses says to the Israelites, God says to us today, which I am commanding you today, what God says shall be on your heart. Parents, church leaders, leaders of other people, If it's not on your heart, it will not be on their heart. If it's not on your heart, it will not be on their heart. God has never expected his people to move without providing leadership. He's provided parents. He's provided shepherds. He's provided deacons. He's provided Bible class teachers. God has never asked his people to move without providing leadership in that movement. And leaders, moms, dads, church leaders... If it's not on your heart, it will not be on the heart of the people that are following you. Other things might be on their heart, but if you don't put God's word on your heart, it won't be on their heart either. Notice what it says going on in verse number seven. You shall teach them, those who are following you, you shall teach them, or the words, diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as as a sign for your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Again, in general, the answer is, first of all, how do we develop this relationship that's going to be the answer to how do we get to heaven? Well, do you have the word of God ever before you? In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, you know this verse. The Bible tells us, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a powerful verse. And when we think about the importance of parents training their children or even church leaders us training children to to grow up in the lord we think of that verse and it's a powerful verse two things i want to point out about that and this passage here first of all that's a proverbial truth it's in the book of proverbs it's proverbial what does that mean well proverbial truths are generally true but they're not always specifically true they're generally true but they're not always specifically true You know that because some of you have raised up your children in the Lord and those children are no longer faithful. So it's not an absolute promise. It's a proverbial truth. It's generally true. If you raise up a child in the way that he should go, she should go. If you teach them the word, if you have the word of God ever before them, if you tell them about the importance of God or relationship with God, if you do everything that you can to to, to develop that within them, then more than likely they will not depart from it as they grow. But there are some people who do. Some of us here in this family have experienced that with our own children or other relatives that we may have. It is proverbially true. It's a good good thing to recognize and certainly something that we should do. But notice what it says in verse 7 again. You shall teach them, teach the word of God diligently. 
to your sons. And, how, what, and then he goes on to try to understand what does it mean to teach them diligently to our children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. I think that sometimes, you know, we think about that proverbial truth, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it when he's old. And we say, well, that's, that's, that's not always true. I know this, I know that. What God is saying in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is if we are diligent about it, there's a great chance that they will not. And, the, and I think the question is not so much the exception to the rule, that sometimes there are not people. I think sometimes the challenge for us today is, are we diligent about it? How often, and you know this, this answer better than I do, how often do you talk about the Word of God when you sit down together as a family? How often do you talk about the Word of God when you're traveling in the car to your next destination? How often do you talk about the Word of God when you wake up in the morning, when you lie down at night? Now listen, you don't have to do any of those things. It's not easy to consistently do all of those things. But God says, the answer to the question, how do I get to heaven, is I love God. And one of the ways that we develop that love for God is we talk about the word of God when we sit down, when we rise up, when we wake up, and when we lay down. And if I look at me, I see a lot of room for improvement. What about you? The the question would be, the convicting question for me is, Am I doing everything I can diligently to train up my children to be followers of Jesus? And the answer for me is I can do a lot better. What about you? Church leaders, what about you? Be diligent to present the word of God and have it before them all of the time. Notice again it said that you shall bind it on your hands. That means the word of God forms and fashions the things that you do it's on your forehead or on your frontals that means it it forms and fashions it guides the things even that you look at it's a foundation and an anchor we build our lives upon the foundation of god's word and it's something that holds us fast in the storms of life in these first nine verses that we've read here in deuteronomy chapter six we see blessings and relationship working in tandem we see blessings and relationship working together christians Uh, We are faithful to God long-term because of our relationship with Him. Obedience is not the goal, but it is the natural outcome of trust. Obedience is our responding to trusting God. My understanding of who God is shapes my response to what He says. If I believe that God is who He says that He is, if I believe that He loves me the way that He says that He he does, if I can see that in my life, then I will be more willing and much more likely to be obedient to Him. You know, sometimes we look at faith and we kind of look at it in two ways, or let's at least consider it in two ways this morning. Action-based faith and trust-based faith. The easier of those two to quantify or to say, yes, that person is faithful, is action-based faith. What are they doing? What boxes are they checking in order to achieve what God wants them to do? It's kind of answering this question. I'll do this, or when I do this, I get rewarded, so I will do this. But that kind of faith or that kind of obedience will only last so long. Parents, you know this, right? When I do this, I get rewarded. That kind of obedience only lasts so long. You know when it ends? When our children grow up and leave the home, when our children change social groups, when our children 
don't appreciate the blessings that they have anymore. And as a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 16, that's what God says to them. He's about to let them enter in the promised land. He says, hey, you're about to, you know, he's just said, hey, these words that I'm commanding you, be careful to do these things. It will be well with you, and you'll have a, a good life, and you'll have a relationship with God. And then he says, and be careful that when you go into this new land that's flowing with milk and honey, and there's houses that you did not build, and vineyards that you did not plant, and you're just blessed and blessed and blessed, be careful not to forget who put you there. Because if you forget who put you there, you'll stop following me. When we forget our blessings, maybe when we change social groups, we move from one place to another. When we leave home, sometimes that action-based faith of if I do this, then I'll be blessed, that's when those times are going to fail. But on the other hand, if we have trust-based faith, again, this idea of who is God and what does that mean for me as his child, that means there's an expectation that God has that we will live according to his word. That means that God offers and and gives us discipline when we need it. But it also means there's compassion and mercy and grace. And in my experience, and I think what the Bible teaches, relationship-based faith, because I love God and because he loves me, I'm going to trust him. And because I trust him, I'm going to do what he tells me to do, lasts much longer, it is much more enduring than action-based faith. If I do this, I'll be rewarded. Even to the point of, if the only reason you're a Christian is to go to heaven, hear me, if the only reason you're a Christian is to go to heaven, your faith likely will not last. If your faith is based on, I believe in God, I believe he loves me, I'm dedicating my life to love him, then you're much more likely to remain faithful during the difficult times. Because I trust God to care for me, even when things are difficult, I'll do what he expects for me to do. And the Bible talks time and time again about people who fail to do what God expects for him to do. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, it talks about if you're cowardly or unfaithful, If you're too afraid to do what God wants you to do because things are getting tough, it says those people's place is in the place place of lake of fire. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, this is earlier on before we get to Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is when Moses leads the Israelites and they are at the doorstep of the promised land. And you remember the story, right? They send in the 12 spies and all 12 of them come back and say, man, that place is great. That would be an awesome place to live. And two of them say, let's go. We can get it right now. But ten of them say, hey, there's no way. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great place. But those people are giants. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can do this. And because they were trusting in themselves and not trusting in God, they missed the promised land. They wander around in the desert for about 40 years and most of them die. And if we wander around in this life, we'll die without God as well. Instead, we want to have the faith like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in Daniel chapter 3. The story of the fiery furnace, where they said to this, this, this king, this mighty king, probably the most powerful man in the world at the time, we believe that our God can deliver us, we trust that our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down and serve your God's parents. Which one of those faiths do you want your children to have? And what are you doing to make sure they do? Secondly, let's look at the idea, how are we going to make this idea, this relationship, how are we going to build this relationship uh, with God where we love him and because of that we are faithful to him and we live this life in response to him. We need to be diligent not only to teach the word, but we also need to be diligent to keep the word. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's look at verses 17 and 18. 
He says you should, again, diligently, that's the second time he's used it in this passage, you should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. You should, listen, you should do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. We, we know this. We know people who, who say the right thing, but then they don't do the right thing. What do we call them? Well, they're hypocrites, aren't they? We call them fake. Do you trust people like that? Do you like people like that? Do you enjoy interacting with people who are fake and hypocrites? No. And I'm not just talking about people who who fail to do the right thing, even though they're trying. I'm talking about people who, who know the right thing, they say the right thing, but they just don't even care to do the right thing. We have to make sure that we are diligent to keep the word of God, not just to know the word of God, but to keep the word of God. And here's, here's why. Not only does it need to be explained to us, but it also needs to be exemplified for us. Again, leaders, parents, church leaders, think about it this way. As children grow, or really as people get to know you, they will begin to love and respect you, not because of whatever position you hold, not because you're a leader in the church, or not because you're their mom or your dad, but because of the person you prove to be. Let me think about it just, just from the mom and dad perspective. Your children, as they grow, will either learn to respect you and love you or learn not to respect you and love you, not because you're mom and dad, but because of the person you prove to be. That's terrifying and exciting. If you prove to be who they think you are, if you prove to be this follower of God that you claim to be, then that's amazing and that's great and they're going to love and care about you. Even if they disagree with you, they'll respect you and they'll love you. But if you are saying one thing, if we put on a a face to come to services or I've heard it said this way before that someone said this and and then I had somebody else say, do you really believe that? It it was said specifically about a, a particular generation, but I think it's true for every younger generation, especially when we think about churchgoers. If people, if if younger people look at older people, their parents or any of you who are older than them, and they see you acting one way, speaking one way, dressing one way on Sunday in this building, and then see you acting another way, talking another way, and dressing another way outside of this building, you know what they care about your faith? Nothing. If they know you're fake, they will never listen to your faith. It's good to be here. We're commanded to be here. We'd better be here. But if we don't live it and exemplify it out the, outside those doors, no one's going to follow us. Not, not to heaven. They might follow us, but not to heaven. Others will disappoint us at the same time. And what do we do when this happens? When other people disappoint us, when, when brothers and sisters disappoint us, when our parents disappoint us, when our children disappoint us, what will we do? Will we react or will we respond? And I've said this before, and I'll, I'll probably say it a lot because I believe in it. The idea of reacting is you do something to me, and I want to do something to you. I want to react right then, right there. And usually when I react, bad things happen. I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do, and I'm unpleasing to God. But if I respond, I'll stop. I'll think, I should probably pray, and then my response will be much wiser and much more God-pleasing. Listen, I have an expectation, not as a preacher, but just as your brother in Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, my expectation is you're living for God every day of your life. But you know what? I know you're going to 
disappoint me in that. Newsflash, I'm going to disappoint you in that. How am I going to react? How am I going to respond to that? How are we going to respond when our children don't grow up and do exactly the things that we want to do? When our parents don't prove to be exactly who we want them to be? How will we respond? We need to understand, of course, how difficult it can be. And I would suggest respond with grace. Default with compassion. Because that's what we would want them to do for us. Again, I'm going to heaven today. I'm not there yet. And sometimes I get off track. But you reprimanding me for that probably won't pull me back on course. You coming to me and lovingly wrapping your arm around me and saying, hey, let me help you out here. That will probably be much more likely to get me back on, on track. Thirdly and lastly, how are we going to make it to heaven? How's our family going to make it to heaven? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. Deuteronomy 6, 20 and 21. When your sons ask you in times to come, saying, What do these testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were, When we were slaves in to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us up from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Go down to verse 24. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. Notice a few things. In verses 24, it says that if we do these things, it's survival for us. The word of God The commandments of God, the way that God has showed us to live our life as we follow Jesus is survival for us. If we don't do these things, it should be as if we are not even living life right. When I sin and when I mess up, I should be so convicted by that that it tears me up. That's only going to happen if I put it on my heart. If it's not there, I probably won't care a whole lot. And then notice that that last part, verse 25. It will be righteousness for us, again, if we're careful to observe all of these things. Back in verses 20 and 21, uh, this idea again of we need to teach and long for the blessing of the Lord. He says, uh, he says to them, listen, I'm commanding you these things today. You need to be careful to observe them. If you observe them, it will go well with you. You'll be faithful. Your sons will be faithful. Your grandsons will be faithful. You will have a legacy of generations long of God-pleasing faithfulness in your family if you'll do these things. That's what I want for my family. When I'm dead and gone, I want my people who are coming after me, my descendants, I want them to be faithful to God. How about you? The Bible tells us how to do it. Have the word of God ever before you. Make sure you know and your children know and everyone around you knows what God wants you to do. And then not only teach it, but show it. Show them what it is. I'm a visual learner. I always have been. I I don't want to just hear what God wants me to do or hear the way to do it or hear this or that. I want to see it. I want to see it. And if I can see it in you, if I can see it in my parents, if I can see it in, in my children, if I can see it in my brothers and sisters in Christ... That will help me to be much more likely to do it. But then in this last part, it is this idea. uh, He says, uh, when your sons ask you in times to come, hey, why do we have all these commandments? What are all these rules about? Why are we doing these things? He says, hey, you tell them your story. A long time ago, we were slaves in Egypt. And God brought us out of that. And he gave us all these blessings. And he asked us to do these things. And that's why we do them. Because he loved us and we love him. That's why we do these things. When's the last time 
When's the first time you've told your children your conversion story? They know you're a Christian. Have you ever told them why? Have you ever told your children why you follow Jesus? Leaders, have you ever told those who follow you why you are going the way you're going? Our children, those who follow us, need to hear not only what to do, not only be shown how to do it, but they need to know why. Why do I follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? And do those that you love the most, and maybe even others, know why you follow Jesus? We need to have people in our lives that will not only share that we'll be able to share our lives with, but we need other people around us. We need church family. We need extended family that will invest in our family. Yes, our our church family, but also you need people that will invest in your faith, invest in the faith of your spouse, invest in the faith of your children. Do you have that in your life today? If you don't, start looking for it. There are people here who would love to fill that void. How are we going to make it to heaven? Have the word of God ever present before you. Explain it and exemplify it and tell people why you do it. Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Hear Jefferson Avenue. Hear fathers, mothers, children. The Lord our God is one. You shall love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. All of us think and all of us would say, I'm going to heaven today. And we didn't recognize that we're not there yet. How many people are you taking with you? Are you even taking those who are closest to you? Are you living a life following Jesus that's worthy of other people following you? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this family. I thank you for our visitors. I thank you for our friends. I thank you for our Lord who has shown us the way, has made a way, and allows us and invites us to follow him. Lord, be with moms and dads, be with husbands and wives, be with children, be with grandparents, be with church family. Lord, help us to care. Help us to do so much more than just say we care, but show we care by our actions because we love and care about you. Lord, we're not always faithful. We're certainly not perfect. Lord, when we fail, help us to stand up and try again. And when other people fail, help us to lift them up and encourage them. Lord, I I pray, and it will only happen by your work, that everyone who is present here today one day will be in heaven with you forever. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who is thinking about becoming your follower, thinking about dedicating their life to you and putting Christ on in baptism, I pray they'll do that. Lord, I pray for those who are here today who are Christians but haven't followed you very well, very diligently in a long time, and I pray they'll fix that today. Lord, I pray that you'll be with all of us who are striving and climbing up that narrow way and we fall and we slip and we fail and we mess up, and I pray that you will help us to not give up and lose hope but to have endurance for the race that's set before us. Lord, use us, forgive us, help us, and thank you for Jesus. 
We pray these things in his name. Amen. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of God, we invite you to be one. God, more importantly, invites you to be one. He sent his son to die for you. That son did die, Jesus. He was buried in a grave and he rose again on the third day. If, 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 if you believe that and you're willing to confess him as your Lord, repent of your sins and start living for him every day of your life, then we would invite you again as God invites you to be baptized into Christ where all of your sins are washed away. You raise up a new creature and you follow Jesus, not perfectly, but faithfully every day of your life. And this family here, these people here, help you to do that. If you're a brother or sister and you're not doing that, get it right. You know you need to get it right. We're here to help you get it right. If you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.